Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Black Drama, written by Manly Wade Wellman. A horrifying story from Weird Tales, the supreme shutterpulp about a mysterious personality who claimed he was a descendant of Lord Byron and the hideous doom that threatened all those around him. Gilbert Conant, former film star, now dead broke, would give his life for a good role, and that may be just what he has done when he signs to be the lead in a newly discovered play by George Gordon, Lord Byron. As an added inducement, Gilbert finds he will be playing opposite his former flame, Sigrid Holgar, who has become a megastar since they broke off their headline-making Hollywood romance. The play is to be premiered at a summer theater deep in the Berkshires, far from the maddening crowds. Not long after the cast's arrival there, Sigrid and her manager are attacked by menacing, half-shaped entities in the dark and barely escape with their lives and sanity. Then Gilbert accidentally stabs Varduk with a sword, but no blood is drawn and the producer is apparently unharmed. Things become stranger still when Judge Keith pursue Vaunt, an eminent authority on the occult, who has been invited by Varduk to authenticate the handwritten manuscript of the play, is stumped when he realizes it is the great poet's work, even though the paper is less than ten years old. As Judge Pursuivant and Gilbert are discussing these unearthly events, Varduk's valet warns them not to challenge his master, who, he says, is a man of tremendous and uncanny powers. Later that night, things become more terrifying for Gilbert and Sigrid, finding the flame of their former love has not been entirely extinguished, discover everyone's life is threatened by terrifying forces from beyond. Another dark masterpiece from Manly Wade Wellman, World Fantasy Award Lifetime Achievement and Hugo Award winner. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Black Drama. Chapter 1. Drafted The counterman in the little hamburger stand below Times Square gazed at me searchingly. Haven't I seen you somewhere? And when I shook my head, he made a gesture as of inspiration. Hey, I got it, buddy. There was this guy in the movie like you. Tall, thin, black mustache and eyes. I'm not in pictures. I told him quite truthfully as concerned the moment. Make me a, make me a double hamburger. A coffee? Yes. Then I remembered that I had but 15 cents and that double hamburgers cost a dime. I might want a second sandwich. Make it a single instead. No, a double, piped somebody at my elbow and a short, plump figure climbed upon the next stool. Two doubles for me and my friend here, and I'm paying. Gilbert Conant. At half past the eleventh hour, I run on to you by the luck of the Switzes. I am as glad to see you like an old father to see his wandering boy. I had known that voice of old in Hollywood. Turning, I surveyed the fat, blobbed nose face, the crossed eyes behind shell-rimmed glasses, the thick, curly hair, the, in the ingratiating smile. Hello, Jake. I greeted him without enthusiasm. Jake's wits waved at the counterman. 
two coffees with those hamburgers. His strange oblique gaze shifted back to me. Gib, to me you are more welcome than wine at a wedding, in an uptown hotel. Who do you think is wondering about you with tears in her eyes, as big as electric bulbs? He shrugged and extended his palms, as if pleased at being able to give an answer to his own question. Sigrid Holmgar. I made no reply, but drew a frayed shirt cuff back into the worn sleeve of my jacket. Jake Switz continued, I've been wondering where to get a hold of you, Gib. How would you like again to play leading man for Sigrid, huh? It is hard to look full and to cross eyes, but I managed it. Go back to her and tell her I'm not taking charity from somebody who threw me down. Jake caught my arm and shook it earnestly. But that ain't true, Gib. It's only that she's been so successful that makes you look like a loser. Gib, you know as well as you know your own name that it was you who threw her down so hard she ran like a silver dollar. I won't argue, I said, and I won't have charity. I meant that. It hurt to think of Sigrid and myself as we had been five years ago. She an inspired but unsure welcomer from Europe. I, the biggest star on the biggest lot in the motion picture industry. We made a film together. Another became filmdom's favorite lovers on and off screen. Then the quarrel. Jake was wrong. It was Sigrid's fault. Or was it? Anyway, she was at the head of the class now, and I had been kicked away from the foot. The counterman set our sandwiches before us. I took a hungry bite and listened to Jake's pleadings. It would be you doing her and me a favor, Gib. Listen, this one time, please, to give Jake Switz a break. His voice quavered earnestly. You know that Sigrid is going to do a stage play. I've read about it in Variety. I nodded. Horror stuff, isn't it? Like uh, Dracula? I suppose with women fainting and nurses dragging them out of the theater. Nurses? repeated Jake Switz scornfully. Huh. Doctors will need at our show Jack. Dempsey himself would faint dead away on the floor. It's so horrible. He subsided and began to beg once more. But you know how Sigrid is, quiet and restrained, a, a, a genius. She wouldn't warm up no matter what leading man we suggested. Vardak, the producer, mentioned you. Get Gilbert Conat, he said to me. She made a success with him once. Maybe she will again. And right away, Sigrid said yes. I went on eating, then swallowed a mouthful of scalding coffee. Jake did the same, but without relish. Finally, he exploded into a last desperate argument. Gib, for my life, I can't see how you can afford to pass it up. 
Here you are, living on hamburgers. I whirled upon him so fiercely that the rest of the speech died in his open lips. Rising, I tossed my fifteen cents on the counter and started for the door. But Jake yelled in protest, caught my shoulder, and fairly rustled me back. No, no, he was wailing. Farduk would cut my heart out and feed it to the sparrows if I found you and lost you again, Gib. I didn't mean bad manners. I don't know nothing about manners, Gib. But have I ever treated you wrong? I had to smile. No, Jake, you're a creature of instincts. And the instincts are rather better than the reasonings of most people. I think you're intrinsically loyal. I thought of the years he had slaved for Sigrid as press agent, business representative, confidential advisor, contract maker, and breaker, and faithful hound, generally. I'm sorry myself, Jake, to lose my temper. Let's forget it. He insisted on buying me another double hamburger, and while I ate it with unblunted appetite, he talked more about the play Sigrid was to present. Horror stuff is due for a comeback, Gib, and this will be the start. A lovely Gib. High class. Only Sigrid could do it. Old-fashioned, I grant you, but not a grain of corny stuff in it. It was written by that um, English guy, Lord Barnum. No, no, Byron. That's it, Lord Byron. I thought, I said, that there was some question about the real authorship. So the papers say, but they holler phony at their own grandmothers. Vardak is pretty sure. He knows a thing or two, that Vardak. You know what he's going to do? He's getting a big expert to read the play and make a report. Jake, who was more press agent than any other one thing, licked his good-humored lips. What a bust in the paper that will be. Vardak, I had heard that name. That single name, whereby a new, brilliant, and mysteriously picturesque giant of the theatrical world was known. Nobody knew where he had come from. Yet hadn't Belasco been a riddle and Ziegfeld? Of course, they had never courted the shadows like Vardak, had never refused to see interviewers or admirers. I meditated that I probably would not like Vardak. Send me a pass when your show opens, I requested. But you'll be in it, Gib. Passes of your own you'll be putting out. <laughs> Listen this once, while I try to do you good in spite of yourself, my friend. You can't walk out after eating up the hamburgers I bought. He had me there. I could not muster the price of that second sandwich, and somehow... The shrewd little fellow had surmised as much. He chuckled in triumph as I shrugged in token of surrender. I knew you would, Gib. Now here, he wrote on a card, this is Vardak's hotel and room number. Be there at eight o'clock tonight to read the play and talk terms. And here, his second proffer was a wad of money. Get some clothes, Gib. With a new suit and tie, you look like a million dollars come home to roost. No, no, take the money, take the dough, and don't worry. 
Ain't we friends? If you never pay me back, it will be plenty soon enough. He beamed my thanks away, leaving the hamburger stand. We went in opposite directions. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Black Drama. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.